Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And before we get into this week's film, which we have got a lot to say about this week's film, um, before we get into it, uh, we will be doing a little recap of Fright Fest Glasgow, which we just came back from, uh, well, yesterday we came back from. Yes. Uh, so anyone who's uh, who listens to us regularly will know that we... We regularly attend Fright Fest when they do their free events per year, and we do a bit of a recap on here of the films we've watched. Uh, this is our first year at Glasgow, and uh, <laughs> it's interesting, wasn't it? Um, disappointing, I think. Well, um, there was three days, and the first day uh, there was two films shown uh, called Synchronicity, I believe it was called, um, or Synchronic. Synchronic and uh, Death of a Vlogger, but you had to pay extra to watch those, uh, which didn't really make sense to us. Well, that was a little strange. Yeah, because you pay for a pass for the two days, but then you had to pay an extra £11 per film for these other films, so we didn't bother with that. So we started off with The Cleansing Hour. Oh, it was alright. It was okay. Yeah, it, yeah, was... it wasn't awful. Yeah, it was... I don't know, was it trying to say something about social media? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but it was a fun horror film about a dude who is a fake sort of uh, exorcist, Yeah. was he? Like a fake exorcist it's, it's pretty online much... and then a real demon takes over a woman's body and he has to exorcise the demon for real. Yeah, it's pretty much the plot of The Last Exorcism. Um, yeah, oh, something okay. has been done time and time before, but, oh, okay. you know, oh. it, it was all right. Um, okay. after that was in the quarry. Awful. Yeah. This was the worst Awful. film, worst film of the weekend. Film from Uruguay. It was overly long. Well, it felt long. It wasn't actually a long film. It was film. 80 minutes long. It felt like three hours and it was just, fuck all happened. Nobody was likeable. That hated it. Hated it. Yeah, it, it was one of the most boring films I've seen in a long time. Just and, stupid. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is essentially eighty minutes of people just talking to each other, yeah, bickering. And, yeah, and being really passive aggressive. Yeah. The only likable character was a fucking turtle. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not uh, sure it was a turtle. Yeah. Whatever it was, it was the most yeah. likable thing in the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, next up after that was Sea Fever, which was essentially a ripoff of The Thing, but set on a boat. Yeah, it was all right. It was actually a bit like Virus. I was, yeah. I was getting Virus vibes, but instead of uh, aliens coming to Earth on the boat, it was some sort of sea creature, tentacled sea creature. Um, yeah, it was okay. It was a little inconsistent. Yeah, writing was a little messy. Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Uh, after that, <laughs> was the most beloved film of the festival by everyone apart from us, A Ghost Waits. Ooh. So this was a black and white film made on a very tiny budget, you can tell. Um, and, and as I've said in my review on Letterboxd, uh, you know, I would never, ever put down someone for making a film. You know, I... Love supporting indie filmmakers, which is why we go to Fright Fest. You get to see films that you don't get to see anywhere else. You know, you get to support indie films. And I'm all for that. I really am. You know, I think if anyone's had the effort to make a film, then fair play to them. You know, 
that gets half a star alone just for doing that, you know? Um, this just seems really cruel that everybody's hyping this guy up, telling that his film's amazing, when really it's not. No, it was quite shoddily made. Uh, the camera was very shaky at some points. The poor lead actress, who was playing a ghost, she had very pale makeup on, but was also lit from below, which is we all know is very unflattering. Mm-hmm. And she, she was, it was, it was unflattering. She, she wasn't looking her best, and it's throughout the whole film and. I just felt a bit sorry for her, to be fair. I was like, oh, they've done you dirty. Yeah. Because she was a gorgeous woman, but that's never flattering. But that's that was the least of the problems of this film. I mean, like no. you said, the messy, <laughs> the messy camera work. Um, there's a scene, a panning shot, where the tripod, like, it just jams as they're trying to turn the camera around. It's just, it's so messy. It's so messy. I thought the themes were interesting, if... A little mishandled. I was going to say, there's been some chat on the Fright Fest group about how the film romanticises suicide. A little bit. It's yeah, the, very the, iffy. Um, spoiler alert. Don't, I, I don't know if we should spoil it. Is anyone going to watch it? Maybe. Is it going to get a wide release? Is it going to be on DVD or Blu-ray? What well, the reaction it got? Uh, I'm not there's, sure. There's a certain, a certain scene that kind of supports suicide. Yeah, um, yeah a little bit. It says it's okay. It didn't end how it should have ended. No. No, but yeah, just really disappointing. I, I don't. Every, everybody seemed to love it, but I didn't. I didn't get it. Yeah. It, it's um. Yeah, the sound editing, everything about it. it you get to hear like as this. Well at part. You get to hear this song like three fucking times. One of the times is the actual lead character playing it on guitar and singing yeah. it. It's I, I don't know. It's a fucking mess. Yeah. But um. Yeah, and then we finished the first day with the Mortuary Collection, which was a fantastic anthology film. It was. It was. It was decent, actually. It, it gave so fun. many great new takes on things that have been done so many times. Yeah, the practical effects were amazing, and Clancy Brown was so good in the lead role. Yeah, he was very much a uh, sort of torment esque character from Phantasm. Yeah, um, and it, it was just a fun film to watch. Yeah, it yeah. was a little. Um, not I. I don't want to say childish, obviously, because the themes. Were no, I know you're gonna. I know what you mean. It but was. I'm, I, it was giving me goosebumps. Yeah. Are you afraid of the dark? But for an adult audience, yeah, it's like an ultra violent goosebumps. Yeah, basically. yeah, I really appreciated it. It was yeah. fun. It was a fun film to watch, which is why we go to, you know, you can put on a film that deals with real issues and and stuff, and that's great. You know, and we enjoy films like that. Um, but sometimes you just want a fun film that you can sit yeah. there and watch and have a good time with, and, and that's yeah. what the Mortuary Collection was. And we also saw some short films whilst we were there as well. Uh, on the first day, we saw Cubicle, um, which was fantastic. It's, it only lasts for three minutes. I'm not even going to say anything about it, just I don't know if it's going to be on YouTube mm. or, you know... Vimeo or whatever you upload short films to these days but um, keep an eye out for it it's um, a female directed short film called Cubicle and the ending of it just had me jumping out of my fucking seat it was so jarring yeah, and so it, it good. D- dealt with an interesting theme yeah. as well, which is, which is hard for a short film. Yeah, especially when it's only three minutes. Yeah. Uh, the the one after that was another, another three-minute short film, which was a music video called Live Forever, and it's a song 
that just covers victims of horror films, and it was very entertaining. Yeah, it was all right. Um, after that, there was one called Black Mass, which I spoke to the director about this because I gave it two and a half on Letterbox out of five because I thought the subject matter was very, very well handled. The way it was written was very well handled. It's um, it deals with mental health and depression and suicide. I like, I like a lot of stuff did at Fright Fest I Glasgow, um, but this dealt with it in a in a better way to to something like a Ghost Waits. Um, and just uses the horror elements to swap the real life things like um, having a demon there instead of, you know, death. And it's just really good. I mean, the idea is really good. The execution, so many, and I did say this to the director and he asked for my feedback, which I thought was so nice um, to be able to be honest with somebody. And, you know, I think as someone who's got a lot of potential, uh, the, some of the acting wasn't the best. Um, there's a, a sh- little bit of strange editing, but I'd still recommend checking it out. And um, on the Saturday, the second day we were there, we watched a collection of short films by just female directors called uh, The Fatal Collective, was it? Yeah, yeah, um, Fatal Collective. And that, I, I really enjoyed all of that. I thought yeah, it, it was, was very inventive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting and a little inconsistent. Mm. Um, but you're gonna get that when you're giving rain to you know how many was it five Ye- or six? six 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 different directors to do short films within eleven minutes. Yeah, it's not gonna be consistent throughout, but the majority of it was interesting. Yeah, and the uh, three of the directors who introduced it were in the best outfits I've ever seen. They were yeah. Um, the films on the Saturday, we started it with Nightmare Radio, which was originally the last film, but Anderson Falls, we're going to tell the whole story about that in a second, we'll get there, but Nightmare Radio was put first, the audio was so off balance, it was, it was screeching, so loud. It, the acting was terrible, there's a segment that straight up ripped off Annabelle Comes Home, uh, it, it was... We just walked out. We, yeah, we did. We, we went with um, we went with our friends, uh, Luke and his girlfriend, Lizzie, and they walked out first, and then we were like, do you know what, we're joining them. Dollars dishwater. Is, yeah. It's awful. It, it was, there was no way it was getting better. No. And apparently after we left, there was a segment in it that was meant to have subtitles, which didn't. Yeah. The so subtitles no, went wrong. They had to rewind knew. the whole segment. Yeah, so and it no, still didn't work. Nobody knew what was going on. No. Because there were no subtitles when there should have been. After this, we watched Zombie for Sale, uh, a Korean zombie comedy, which was absolutely fine. Thoroughly yeah. entertaining. It wasn't groundbreaking, but it was no. a fun watch. Yeah. Um, it was funny when it needed to be. Arrow Video releasing that, I believe, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, after that, we watched the best film in the festival, St. Maud. Uh, the latest offering from A24 and female director Rose Glass is her first film and I am excited to see what she does next because this was very good so good very interesting themes very well acted uh, very well written Um, it was nice to see a female director a female British director Mm. uh, being given a shot with you know a, a good film I felt like it had a decent budget, you yeah. know. I I think it had some lottery funding, which is always great to see. Um, and I, I'm glad that that's going to get a decent release. Yes, it's getting a uh, wide release on May 1st, uh, I believe. 
And it, it takes so much from other films, but not in a way that rips them off. In a way that genuinely, it feels like a love letter to those films. Yeah, we've you know, discussed it before where, you know, no... Re- you can't really be that original anymore. No. So you sort of take parts and you make it into your own. And, and that's what the director did. Yeah, it's very much like a mix of Taxi Driver, Donnie Darko, The Exorcist, Possession... Um, but all set in a little seaside town in England. Yeah. And I tell you what, the, the lead actress is phenomenal. You, She does so well in that role. She's very good. Um, yeah, just watch it when it's released. Uh, what was after that? Oh, Butt Boy. So this is a film about a man who uh, has an addiction to shoving things up his ass, uh, including full-size people, a baby, uh, a dog. He tries to suck a car up there at one point. Um, but somehow this is a good film. It tried to be a good film. We're slightly divided on this one. I I felt like the joke wore thin after a while because it didn't warrant a um, full-length feature. Oh, no, I agree on that. This should have been a short film. It it should have absolutely should have been a short film. But it's really strange how the director really tried making a good film here. It's like, it's a detective drama for the most part. The joke was that they were making a serious film about a ridiculous subject matter. Mm. So that was the joke. Yeah. Which I get. But But it it could have worked in a short film. Yeah. Or like an extended trailer. Yeah. It would have worked. As a a random YouTube video, Mm -hmm. I reckon it would have done well. As a full-length feature, it just... The joke wore thin by the end. And uh, it was all all right. It was all right. It 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 wasn't homophobic. People thought it was homophobic. And we were worried it was going to be. Yeah. But it wasn't. I didn't think. No, no, it wasn't. It's just... He was a serial... Well, serial killer, really. Yeah, yeah. But his method was shoving things up his ass. Yeah, but it worked best when it was being ridiculous. Um, and like Chris said, you know, if it was a short film, it would have been so much better. The bits in between him the shoving very things boring. up his backside were boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, Words I never thought I would say. No, I mean, I never expected to watch a, a film with that plot that actually had some decent cinematography, set design and soundtrack. It sounds like we're talking about porn. Yeah. <laughs> the bits in between him shoving things up his ass were boring. Just, yeah, just... I, I recommend watching it. I, I do recommend watching yeah. it at least once. Yeah. Um, after that was VFW, uh, by a very new exciting name in horror, Joe Bagos, who directed Bliss, which we absolutely loved. This wasn't quite as good as Bliss... But it was very... The director didn't like this being said, but it was very John Carpenter. Um, Yeah, it was weird that he didn't like it being said when it was... Well, he he said that, yeah, the themes are similar to Assault on Precinct 13, Mm. but Assault on Precinct 13 was a remake of the Howard Hawks film uh, Rio Bravo. So if he was going to have his film compared to another film it would be the Howard Hawks film yeah which I, I agree with to a certain extent because John Carpenter borrowed a lot from Howard yeah. Hawks and he'll openly admit that um, but but it's you also can't very... have that soundtrack yeah which sounds almost exactly like the Escape from New York soundtrack yeah. 
and then be pissed off when people compare it to John Carpenter. Yeah, it's it's like Escape from New York, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, The Purge, Feast, um, and Green Room all mashed into one. And do you know what? It's a very fun film. It was. A, it was. It's, it was it's so entertaining. It's it's it is very much like a grindhouse film. Um, you know, it's got that gritty, dirty feeling to it. And loads of gore, loads of gore, and great practical effects. The soundtrack is very much Escape from New York, but it was a very good soundtrack. And there's a, like old school actors yeah, in there that yeah. just seem to be having a good time. It is the grindhouse version of The Expendables. It is yeah. old time actors from the 80s. Um, you know, you've got Stephen Lang, you've got. Uh, William Sadler, Fred Williamson, Martin Cove, Martin Cove, all put in this film, and you know their chemistry is great. A lot of people were laughing at the jokes. I didn't really get the humor, if I'm honest. Um, people thought it's hilarious, though. It's very much an audience film. Um, yes, it, it gets a little repetitive at times. The lead, the, the lead girl in it, we meant to care about her, we wanted to be protected. I didn't really care much for her. No, she didn't, didn't really have, have any development. It wasn't no, much to her. No, they could have just thrown her out at a bar and then it would have been all right. But you know, <laughs> but it's have, yeah, but it, it's definitely worth checking out. It's not as good as Bliss, but it's definitely worth checking out. Um, and then finishing off the festival. Oh boy, we have something very special. This film is 2020's Answer to the Room. So, Anderson Falls. Uh, can you get the director's name up, please? Um, yeah. Now, uh, Julian... Oh, I don't know. It's, it's Julian something. We're going to get the name up now. Uh, this film is definitely this year's The Room. You, the whole idea of a set up this podcast is because we love films like this. Julian Sari. Julian Sari has created Trash Gold. And I can promise you, as soon as it is released and available, we will be covering it on this podcast. Because, oh, for fuck's sake, I don't uh, want to watch that again. Well, it's happening. This is amazing how bad it is. It, st- it was meant to start the day. The file was corrupt. They spent a good 15 minutes or so with the... With the projector screen showing everything that was going on, they sent the link through Vimeo to screen it, but it was buffering. So we already got to see the start of the film. When it was introduced, one of the organisers of Fright Fest said that Sean Ashmore was in Lock and Key, but it's not, it's his twin brother. Uh, the director, Julian, was talking like Tommy Wiseau, telling everyone how he's made his first real American movie and everything, and... He was asked what Lynn Shea's like, because everyone's a big fan of Lynn Shea. And his exact words were, gorgeous woman, not a lot of energy, though. <laughs> She's in her 70s, for Christ's sake. Well, she need energy for this role anyway. But, um, you know, swiftly moving on, I'm just going to list off a few things happening in this film. Um, it's meant to be a mystery thriller, but we find out who the killers are in the first five minutes. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> the lead character... <laughs> Creates a list of women that he thinks are about to be murdered and tells a police captain that these are the people that he would murder if it was him. And the whole idea is that these women... Are, and it's not a spoiler because there are no spoilers because it's not a fucking <laughs> mystery film. Um, but essentially these women have been murdered because they're, because they're successful. Yeah, and he has to find a list of the successful women in his area and he finds eight women. Eight women. <laughs> it's eight, eight successful women. Honestly, 
uh, I laugh because of how ridiculous it is, but on a serious note, this is a very misogynistic film. It is, it's, yeah. They, uh, again, deals very badly with suicide. Like, these men are going around pretending these women are committing suicide. At one point, they're referred to as a suicide club, and at another point, some the police captain says, so you're telling me these men are going around suiciding people? There's a random <laughs> fart noise in there that we don't know if it was meant to actually still be in the film or if it was someone blowing a raspberry. Uh, a guy speaks to his eight-year-old son on the phone about the murder cases, tells him about the suspects, and then when he's asked why he's asking his son, or why he's telling his son those things, he says he didn't check the caller ID. He, uh, this is just, yeah, I can't wait for it to be released. I really can't. I hope it's not. It doesn't deserve to be. I'm sorry. You know, but I paid my money to go to this film festival. I pay money, you know, to watch films. It's a business at the end of the day. If I'd gone in for free, I'd have been like, okay, I can respect it. You know, it was good for free. (laughs) But if I'm paying money, I expect something decent and... Anderson Falls was absolutely atrocious. I could have written that shit. But for in a five minutes. But for a so bad, it's good. No, no, no. Genuinely, just shite. Lazy, you, lazy writing, lazy filmmaking. You didn't have fun watching it. You didn't find. It I funny. had fun watching it with an audience that were laughing. Oh yeah, the audience who took every film before that very seriously. Even they at first. I was trying to compose myself. I was in tears laughing. I I haven't laughed at a film like that in a long time. And I was really trying to compose myself. But then the rest of the audience were laughing too. It was, it was genuinely like that scene in A Disaster Artist. Where Tommy Wiseau has the premiere of The Room. And everybody's just laughing when it was meant to be taken seriously. Yeah. It wasn't the best film to finish on. No. But you, you seem to think it's the... A new cult classic. I genuinely do. <laughs> a new trash to piece classic of. But that's our uh, fright fest recap. But for now, we have another trash to piece. Oh to my talk god! This about. is tra- this is awful. This film is also something special. It's not special. <laughs> so, this film has a two point two on IMDb. It that is far too high. It's directed by. The Malachi Brothers only actually isn't. It was directed by a man called Peter Mervis, okay. who used the um, the identity, the Malachi Brothers, as a cover-up for some fucking reason unknown. Okay. Uh, they didn't want his name on it. They used Alan Smithy. Yeah, but apparently the Malachi Brothers. It was released... It was made on a $1 million budget. What? Released in 2006. Why, why are we giving trivia without actually saying the title? I'm getting that. It's the same kind of mystery as Anderson Falls. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, well, They've read... already read the title okay. of this podcast. We are talking about none other than the Asylum classic, Snakes on a Motherfucking Train. Oh, so obviously, the Asylum are a company that released Mockbusters, uh, films that are stealing, straight up stealing, from other films that make more money, and with the hope that people would uh, accidentally watch them instead. They, this is obviously um, a, a uh, rip-off from Snakes on the Plane and was released 
mere days before Snakes on a Plane was actually released. Uh, so they've also released the following films. These are my favourites. I've not seen them, but um, you know the titles are amazing. Oh, well, I've seen this one, Paranormal Entity. I've seen that. Um, Paranormal but, Entity. Yeah. Obviously, Paranormal Activity, That's Jurassic City, Da Vinci Treasure, When a, When a Killer Calls, Six 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 The Child, Halloween Night, Pirates of Treasure Island, Hillside Cannibals, Transmorphers, The Terminators with an S, The Hitchhiker, Titanic Two, which is literally about a ship called Titanic Two. I have seen that, and that is just exactly what you think it is. Avengers Grimm, Sinister Minister, The Fast and the Fierce, Nazi Overlord, and they are also responsible for the Sharknado franchise. Cool. And we don't have a lot of trivia, um, but <laughs> this film... I'll give you some trivia. It's shit. Well, spoiler alert. The film set and its craft services was invaded by escaped cows. Good. 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 Uh, Should have tried harder. The asylum... Uh, no, Chris, it's the fucking asylum. Why would they try harder? This the is... cow should have tried oh. harder. Um, the asylum had no intention of making this film, but they proceeded with it when another project of theirs fell through. And Japanese investors at Cannes uh, Festival asked if there was really a giant snake eating a train, which is the artwork of this... The amazing artwork for this film. Um, just Google it. Uh, you won't regret it. Uh, originally that scene wasn't actually in the film, it was just the artwork, so they actually went and added a scene at the end of the snake eating a train just to make the Japanese audiences happy. What was the original ending then? I have no fucking idea. Oh. So, the plot is, a zombie curse is placed upon a woman which causes her to have living snakes inside her that escape during a train journey to LA. Okay, what zombie curse? <laughs> Uh, there is no fucking there's zombie no curse. Zombie. What zombie curse? There's no fucking zombies. <laughs> well, who the fuck wrote that? That's the official plot. There's no zombies. <laughs> Just throw the word zombie in there. So, oh, it's a zombie film. It's ain't a fucking zombie film. Well, we start off with um, some slow mo hugging in the desert. They're not hugging. Yeah, but this is what I wrote when I first when the film first started because. <laughs> At first, the guy, um, who we never actually hear his name, but his name is Bujo, apparently, to the <laughs> yeah, I have no, no idea what his name I was. I don't know what most of the names were in this film, but Bujo is hugging Alma, who is um, his girlfriend. Wife. Wife, sorry. Um, and at first, they both look really happy, but then as it slowly transcends, during this fucking ridiculously long sequence of them in the desert you realise she's actually like passed out and he's actually not meant to be looking happy yeah he's, <laughs> help, he's helping her walk um yeah uh, it's he's pretty much dragging her by the end it goes on for about 10 minutes oh really long and then they start speaking in Spanish but a recurring problem in this film there's no subtitles no like we even tried looking at the option on on the DVD and there's not even an option for subtitles on there. So we have no idea what's being said. Um, this bo this Bujo blows some smoke in her face and feeds her some snakes. 
And then uh, she starts having some green goo come from her mouth. Um, and then all of a sudden we get a budget racist version of Woody Harrelson. Yeah, so they've crossed the US border. So there's that scene where uh, they slip quite um, easily through <laughs> the barbed wire fence. <laughs> and now they're in the USA. And yeah, what did you describe him as? Uh, budget Woody Harrelson, but a bit racist. <laughs> budget Woody right, Not even a bit racist. This guy's massively racist. But then again... This entire film is massively racist. It's a little iffy. It definitely It iffy. plays stereotypes to the extreme. Yeah. You would think Donald Trump directed this film with his Mexican stereotypes. It's over the top of it. It really is. Um, but, uh, and you know, as much as I'll say this is a so bad it's a good film, there's no excuse in the racist writing. It is fucking shocking. Um, so... The, yeah, budget Woody, Har- Woody Harrelson turns up um, and he starts just swearing loads and calling him really stereotypical Mexican names. Um, did he call him Jungle Fox? He did say that as well, I yeah. I that, don't know where that came from. I don't know what from. that means. Um, he offers them to get on a train for $300 and then he's like, ah, something bit me, goddammit. I hate snakes. And then he dies. <laughs> he does. Just out of nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> Awful. That's exactly how he sounded. The acting in this film is on another level. Yeah. So we get some more Spanish with no subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, the, va- the train station, we hear the train station voiceover uh, saying about the train arriving. It sounds like Jeff Goldblum. Bored Jeff Goldblum. Bored Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. for ages. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but everything in this film goes on for fucking ages. It's a long announcement. <laughs> Calm down, mate. Um, so... <laughs> they go to the side of this train that hasn't pulled off yet and there are some other Mexican characters uh, a guy with a bald head uh, Mexican Phil Mitchell I Mexican Phil Mitchell he, um, <laughs> Google him if you don't know who Phil Mitchell is he's from he, a uh, popular British soap opera He um, he's chatting to uh, to Bujo and Alma and uh He's like, uh, we can't let you on here. He's like, I'd love to let you on here. I'd love to let the both of you on here. But um, my friends would be too upset. What? Why? But like most things in this film, it's not explained as to why. No. And then seconds later, he's like, come on. At least we can have something. And then lets him on. Well, no. Something good to look at. Something, oh, something good to her. look at. Yeah. Uh, and then he lets them both on. Yes. And uh, we find out his name's Chico. Because, you know, why, why wouldn't it be Chico? It's Chico. Um, there's more Mexican stereotypes on there. It, it's, at this stage, it's really overwhelming. There's so much of it. Um, the girl miraculously knows one of them from school. What are the chances? Yeah, so you got um, Chico's two friends. And so they they like, no, you have to pay. Yeah. So she pulls some money out of a bra. <laughs> but it's no good because it's pesos and not dollars. And then her friend from high school, who just <laughs> happens to be there as well, um, on on the train. So they he snuck onto the train as well. I don't know his name. Don't, um. No. No. Oh, Miguel. Miguel. Oh, of Miguel, course, it's Miguel. It's Miguel. Uh. So Miguel pays for them to stay on the train. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, mm. hasn't seen her since high school, and he pays, you know, I'm assuming she looks exactly the same as she did um, back then. Yeah. Although his English is very good, whereas she's still kind of pretending that she, her English isn't very good. Yeah. But crevessively, what the fuck does that mean? Progressively. <laughs> Progressively throughout the film, her English gets better and better. As the plot requires As it to. As the plot requires it to. When they realise they didn't have the budget for subtitles. <laughs> um, so, then we're introduced to the rest of the characters. First off, we meet uh, the guy who works on the train, which I thought was the conductor at first, but I don't think he was they the conductor. They call him the conductor. Do they? Yeah, they call then him... Then, who was the wrong... Who was he? That's the driver, or, like, the engineer. Okay, so, the conductor, and his name is... I've got it written down later on. We don't actually find out his name till later on. Uh, oh, shit, what was his name? It's somewhere around here. This is professional, isn't it? But, yeah, essentially, we've now moved to the front of the train to the people who have paid for tickets. Yeah. Because... Because the Mexican people can't pay for tickets, so they sneak onto the train. And the <laughs> predominantly white people at the front of the train can afford to. <laughs> um, read into that what you will. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's... I think it's exactly how it looks, if I'm honest. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it was an accidental thing. Fuck, I definitely wrote down his name. And it is something really, really white. It is like Jeff or something like that. Isn't it like Boris or something? No, no, that's Barrett. That's a completely different character. But this guy's name is... uh, Have you uh, got it there? (laughs) His name's Conductor. Fucking serious. No, they definitely said his name. I know it's in here. His name's Conductor. They definitely said it. Because it was the Mr. Devil guy that said his name. No, you're embarrassing yourself. Now. Frank! Frank. Frank. His name is Frank. Frank the Conductor. Frank the Conductor. And he has a signature horror cool trash of a moustache. Oh, yeah. With little little twirls on one. it. Yeah, he's got little twirls it's, on this one. It's been a while and Maz actually uh, left us a comment the other week about our lack of moustaches in recent episodes. So Did here we she? go, Maz. This one... Is something it's a meaty moustache with a good little twist on each end. Yeah. And he starts his dialogue. Like, there's nothing before this. This is very important. There's nothing before this. He walks up to a woman, the first woman on the train, and he says, And have you packed your own bags? And have you left your luggage of anybody else? What are you saying and for? You didn't have anything before that. That's not how human beings talk. Well, I, this is what we're going to get about bad movies. What Have they never heard people talk before? No. Because this is not how people talk. So, um, he's, he then moves on to somebody else. Who was the first lady he spoke to? I don't know. The first lady, it turns out, when she starts getting flirted... Um, flirted oh, yeah, on, she's flirted the on, devil's... That phrase? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but she, she's just a random brunette lady who is inexplicably surprised that it takes 16 hours to go across the country <laughs> to Los Angeles. She's, she's horrified that it's going to take 16 hours. He's like, yeah, but it's a long journey. <laughs> and then... Um, Surely she knew this shit beforehand. Uh, he, you know, Frank, the moustache conductor, goes around to every person on this train oh, and says the exact, exact same dialogue same to them. To every like, single... Apart from... 
the cowboy because he hasn't got any bags. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to... So each of these characters is introduced... They give a little one bit of their stereotype. The yeah, they give a little bit of dialogue so we can see who they, what their character is <laughs> and shit like that. And each one is asked if they pack their own motherfucking bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and each one answers yes. It doesn't even sound like he's saying it separately each time. It sounds like they're playing the same line of dialogue yeah. over and over again. Fucking stupid. So next up we meet some stoner stereotypes. And we know that because they just keep saying, dude, dude, surfing. <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, dude, surfing. surfing. Let's go smoke a spliff. Yeah. Uh, and then we get a family with well, a kid. one of them asks the other why he has to be such a vagina. Oh, yeah, well. yeah, that's true. Yeah. A little bit of misogyny there. Um, we meet a family with a kid who's being unruly and runs off to go to the bathroom. I called this the annoying family. Yeah. I don't remember anyone's name in this film. Uh, Gary's helped me out with this one. Um, yeah, that's what you think. Fucking yeah, as we go along, you'll be helping me. The next okay. character, I think his name's Mr. Devil, because that's what it sounded like they said, so that's what I'm going to call him. Oh, I don't know. You know who I want to know, don't you? Yeah. Massive forehead. I just put, yeah, I just put balding, divorced guy. Um, he's, he's, like, stereotyped himself immediately. He's like... You know, as electrical engineers, never a dull moment. <laughs> and he laughs so much in this film. Like, even when nothing's happening, he's fucking laughing. Yeah. And this annoying family, uh, sorry to dwell on them. Um, so the dad has a camera as he's getting on the train. You think maybe that was might be a plot point. Oh, I did. Yeah. You, might, you think that might be a plot point, but it's not. It doesn't... You don't see the camera. He also has what appears t- to me to be a fake black eye. <laughs> Again, that's not explained. Yeah. The There's no reason for it. But we it. know this film, black eyes can randomly appear. That's true. It does happen later on as well. Um, so, electrical engineer, Mr. Devil. And then we get two uh, airhead girls. They're so ditzy. Oh, they're going to get um, a big life in Los Angeles. It was like, oh, they're definitely not going to see any nudity from one of these later on, are we? Um, yeah, but yeah, but the one of them. So I remember these names. It's Crystal and Crystal Summer. Crystal and Summer. Of course it's Crystal and Summer. <laughs> so the conductor asks them, did they pack their own bag? And Crystal's like... What's his issue? And Summer <laughs> explains that it's his job and he has to ask. And we're well aware of that because he's asked every fucker on there. Yeah. There's also a shifty man. And we know he's shifty because not only is he constantly squinting his eyes, <laughs> but the music also changes when he gets on board. So, and it's like proper shifty music. We find out very later on that his, like, seconds before he dies, spoiler alert, that his name is Barrett. Yeah. But until that point, we only know him as me- Middle Eastern guy. Yeah, because um, Crystal, uh, she's like, they've only just got on. Yeah. And this Middle Eastern guy is giving them a quick glance. And she's like, what's he staring at? <laughs> He's That Middle Eastern guy has been staring at us since we got on. Yeah. Like seconds ago. Yes, he probably watched you walk past. That's normal. Also... He 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 has a tan skin tone, but how does she know he's Middle Eastern? 
Oh, the director of this film is a massive racist. He's just sort of dressed normally. You, you know, he, he's in very Western clothes. And when he speaks later on, it takes a while for him to speak. But he's got an American accent. Yeah. Really. So it's only... She's only going based off of his skin tone. Well... So they're, like, assuming that he's Middle Eastern. It made him feel uncomfortable enough to move after being on there for maximum a minute. Um, they get up, we hear a random fart noise. We do. <laughs> I think that's the seat, to be fair. You think? I, I, you know, I, I don't think Summer's a farter. So, this is uh... part of the fart noise cinematic universe of Anderson Falls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what connects them all together. Um, and then uh, they get up to move seats, and they're literally just changing carts. You know, something you could do when a train's moving. There's a lot of empty carts on this. Well, train as well. Well, they're moving, and you know, there's obviously not enough seat options in that one where they already are. Mm. So they have to move to another one. And Frank, the conductor, is he's like, Ladies, we're about to depart. And I was like, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. And they just carry on walking. It's not a plane. And then uh, the cowboy hat guy gets on at the very last second, and uh, yeah. We yeah, see him again for just a like, bit. hold the train and gets on. So we get thing. some uh, royalty-free guitar music. It, honestly, it, it was definitely royalty-free. I'd be very surprised if this was made specifically for this film. Um, and then we get some more... The, the uh, last bit for a while uh, of Spanish with no subtitles. And then they start speaking perfect English randomly. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> Bojo, whatever the fuck his name was again. What was his name again? Um... Bujo. Even. I just put Alma's husband. Yeah, lead guy. Uh, he says, uh, the snake's inside you. And I, okay then. Uh, and then they're speaking perfect English uh, because it's very important to the plot. Yeah, and they're talking about something, something about making a hole again, these snakes. Yeah, the school friend said that his uncle can make a hole again, just like Atomic Kitten. No, no, not his uncle. Yeah, schoolboy. No, Alma's husband's uncle. Miguel is the one that doesn't believe in any of that stuff. Oh, maybe you're right. And he wants her, which makes the ending really weird. Mm. Um, But he wants her to go see a doctor. But, um... Bujo? Yeah. Yeah, Bujo is the one that wants his um, uncle, who believes in magic and, and such... To help her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he says that they'll be at the uncle's by the morning. Because mm-hmm. she's like, how long is this going to take? Uh, we'll be at my uncle's by morning. Which we know isn't true. Yeah. Because the impatient woman, who can't wait 16 hours to <laughs> go across country, was told that they'll be in Los Angeles at lunchtime. It's also, when, what time is it? Because, like, one minute it's dark, and then when it shows you these random shots outside of the window, it's daylight. It's confusing because the, so the annoying family get, they're the only ones that have beds. So, but they are the only ones that (laughs) have beds. They're very adamant that they had the sleeper cabins and the dad and the daughter were, you know, wanted the top bunk. And whatnot. So they're the only ones that have actually paid for a bed. And they go straight to bed. 
So seemingly it's night time and everybody else is just staying up all night. Yeah. On the train. I don't get it. Well, I think it's different in America. I mean, in England, you you know, trains finish at like midnight. Yeah. Well, the um, the the girl with the snakes inside her, she starts talking, and it's it's honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that sounds like a really bad rip off of uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. <laughs> well, the girl with the snakes inside her. <laughs> Maybe this is a spin-off. <laughs> yeah. um, well, um, she starts speaking, but she's inaudible. You can't hear her. You don't know what she's saying. Uh, yeah, absolutely no idea. And uh, the, the train's far too loud. Yeah, no idea what she's saying. I don't saying. know who the fuck was in charge of editing for this film, but yeah. they need to lose their job. Absolutely no um, idea. We do hear her say, I wonder what it's like to be dead. And that's the only thing we actually hear her say. And then um, Boo Joe's like, uh, oh, I think it's cold. Okay, move on from that then. Um, she starts throwing up some black stuff out of her mouth, and uh, then Mexican Phil Mitchell shows up, and uh, he said he's looking for some weed for him and his boys. Yeah. <laughs> so, Boudreaux's not having this, um, and he just starts blowing smoke in everyone's faces. It, there's like a powder, isn't it? Like a soot. Yeah. And he blows he blows it in Mexican Phil Mitchell's face. Mm-hmm. And then the, his, uh, um, what's his name? Chavo. What was his name? Which one you're on about? Mexican Phil Mitchell. Oh, Chico. Chico, excuse me. Um, so Chico's two friends, he does the same to them, but it seems to affect Chico for a lot longer than <laughs> the other two. Well, he locks the other two in a cage and seals it shut with some green goo. Yeah, so he ties it up with some rope and then spits out some green goo. <laughs> what does he have it? in his mouth? I have no idea. Where does he keep getting this soot from? <laughs> Magical or... I don't know. Um, yeah, so he has an hilarious fight with Phil Mitchell. Um, he stabs him in the end and kicks him off the train. With a really fake-looking knife. A really fake-looking knife. I thought it looked knife. like it was made out of tin foil. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the um, we could then go back to uh, the electrical engineer, Mr. Devil, and uh, he is showing off some of his skills with the ladies. Oh, yeah, he's gone over for a right good flirt with yeah. the first lady. Like, um, I don't think we get her name. No, he's like, excuse me, uh, what's the time? Do you have a watch? And she's like, can't you check your watch? And he's like, ha, 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 And that's basically all you hear from him. He's like, weird laugh. For the next five minutes, and it's just awkward flirting, him just chatting her up. and She uh, gives him a brownie. She gives him some brownies. and so even she then, must be reciprocating. Yeah, even then he's laughing at her. Um, it's just lots of laughing and weird flirting. Um, a snake hisses at the, snow, at the stoner guys, and this is when we know that it's loose. But then the kid from the dysfunctional family sees a snake in a in the dirtiest looking bathroom. Oh my god, it was filthy. I wasn't sure if you'd noticed that. It was, it was so disgusting. disgusting. And then And they've paid extra for a sleeper cabin. It doesn't get much better in the bedroom area because we're shown <laughs> uh, the dad on the top bunk, he's got his leg out. Duvet's covering uh, his dick a bit, but he is scratching his balls quite graphically. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he's meant to be asleep. Yeah. So he's like Fell asleep while scratching his balls. <laughs> he's his legs Why wide he, open. What sort of choice did 
like acting choice was that? You imagine the director, right, okay, now we need you to scratch your balls. <laughs> no, probably the actor, like... Um, I'm going to so improvise. For this character, I feel like he'll be scratching his balls <laughs> at night time. Yeah, can we have that? I'm just going to spread my legs really wide. <laughs> and have my hand in between them. Is that okay? Yeah, great choice. Great, great character choice. Well... It, the daughter tells the mum about if she's awake. She tells the mum that there's a snake in the bathroom. Um, and there's a bit of a conversation about brushing her teeth and then the snake. And then she wakes the dad up, the mum. His name's Mitch. And she keeps going, Mitch, 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 Mitch. He wakes up and she's still saying it. And then uh, he's like, oh, what's going on? And then uh, she explains. And then he's like, oh, sweetheart, there." Oh, there's no no snakes on the train. Uh, how would they get on here? Exact line delivery. Saying the name of the film in the most half-assed, lazy way I've ever heard. He was act- acting like a recovering meth addict. <laughs> he looked like one as well. He did. And also, can I just point out that I... So, when the snake's in the bathroom with the girl in there, we see the snake on the floor. <laughs> And I didn't think the girl noticed. No. I thought they were going for some sort of suspense or tension or whatever. Turns out the girl did notice, but I don't know if it was an acting choice or whatnot, but she just kind of doesn't react. Yeah, but she doesn't react when her mum's been eaten by a snake later on either. No, not really. She goes, she takes her mum in to investigate and uh, a bit of toilet roll falls over and the mum gets scared by a toilet roll. And we see a snake pop its head out of the toilet roll. They hear a snake noise. A very yeah. clear, distinct snake sounding hiss. The bog roll falls from a great height for some reason. And they're like, oh, it's just the bog roll. No, bog roll doesn't make a hissing noise. <laughs> also, the mum seems really confused by the fact that the snake would have been on the floor. Like, what? On the floor? Like, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so get the fuck out of here. Why would there be snakes on the floor? Snakes can't fly. Of course it's going to be on the fucking floor. So and then the snake comes out of the tube with the bog roll. Yeah, sneaks into the dad's bed. <laughs> yeah. um, we go back to our uh, the course of all this, and uh, the lead guy's picking up all the snakes. He's like, oh, I picked up all the snakes now. And uh, the school friend's like, uh, oh, what's she sick from? And Bujo's like, Devil of snakes. <laughs> no explanation at first, but then he gives us our exposition we need and tells us that the reason these snakes are inside this woman is not because he fed them to her at the start of the film, which we clearly watched. Yeah. We watched him put those snakes in her mouth, but apparently it's because her family wanted her to marry a rich man. It was an arranged marriage, and she didn't want to do it. She ran away with Bujo, and uh, so her family put a curse on her. Uh, where she has snakes inside her. A zombie curse. A zombie curse. I think he was... I think the idea is that these snakes are coming out of her and they need to put them back in for her to keep Yeah, alive. they do keep refilling her with snakes. I don't get it. Well, we know about the But then he the keeps film. putting them in jars. So I don't know if they need fermenting first or... or... Well... Spoiler alert, by the end of the film we find out that if these snakes leave for too long she grows a pair of fangs. <laughs> Very fake fangs. So, um the uh, the guy's locked in uh in the in the uh cage with the green goo, uh Chico's mate, so start getting a bit uh, start getting a bit cheeky, don't they? Um the uh one of them says when Chico gets back here he's gonna stab your ass. 
But then, in one of the greatest lines of dialogue in film history, a moment that genuinely shocked me so much that I had to pause it and try and contain myself from laughing to continue the film, he turns to Bujo and says to him, Hey, freak, your mother's cunt smells like carpet cleaner. I'm not... I, I just don't know what to say about that. Who wrote that line of dialogue, looked at it and thought, you know what? That'd be a fucking great insult to keep Why in. Why carpet cleaner? What does carpet cleaner even smell like? Oh, it would smell nice, I suppose. But like yeah. Shaken back. But he pauses really cocky, look after like he is just the best insult in the world. Yeah, and he did say the best insult in the world. It would smell fresh. I wouldn't be insulted. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so apparently it smells like carpet cleaner. Um, I mean, if nothing's said after that, uh, you can't follow that, really. No, no, it isn't So we go to a new scene instead. Um, and Crystal is telling Summer that she kind of did a bad thing. And uh, immediately, someone's like, who did you sleep with? Oh, my Lord. Which you thought was a little rude. But yeah. But later on in the film, we realise that it's probably kind of true. We find out about a character called Mark, which you never see. No, no idea. He's a terrible person. Is. We know he's a terrible person. Yeah, Summer hates Mark, which I thought was, like, maybe Summer's ex-boyfriend. But, again, we absolutely no idea who Mark is by the end of the film we find out he gave her five thousand dollars to deliver some drugs for him but he gave him he gave five thousand dollars specifically for their little holiday which is very sweet of him no they want to go live in Los Angeles yeah oh and apparently that's gonna that five thousand dollars is gonna be enough to set their lives up yeah so I'm a little confused by this so Mark who I'm assuming lives in Texas which is where they were uh, yeah. on the, uh, getting the train. They're moving to Los Angeles to start a new life. He's told Crystal, take these drugs and give them to Maurice. Mm-hmm. And here's $5,000 for it, which is incredible because who gives the money before the drugs are delivered? But whatever. <laughs> um, but so... He gives them $5,000 to use towards their new life in Los Angeles. But then she explains to Summer that if she does it once a month, she can continue to make $5,000. Yeah. Every month from, you know, this drug dealing. But I'm like, what? So you're going to have to go back and forth from Texas to fucking Los Angeles? <laughs> 16 hours each time. 16 hours each time. <laughs> And you get $5,000 up front. <laughs> Don't sound right to me. We go back to um, Bujo and uh, the school friend. And uh, the school friend wants to know what's going on. So Bujo grabs him and he, in some of the best line delivery in the film, he's like, she has snakes. <laughs> she has snakes. <laughs> she has snakes and no doctor will see us. And, uh, yeah. Then... Uh, Someone, oh, who was it he says? Oh, it's um, school friends. Like the, okay, the snakes are getting angry. They're gone. How do you fucking know the snakes are getting angry? You didn't yes. even believe the snakes were there five yeah. minutes ago. Absolutely no idea. 
So uh, Alma starts peeling her face off and starts spitting out some more green goo. Because she's got the snakes. Yeah. Somehow, the carpet cleaner insult guy and his friend get out of the cage. Yeah, I don't... We don't get to see how this happened. They have two black eyes, both of them. Yeah. All of a sudden. Like, they've both been punched. And somehow they escaped. And they even stole Bujo's bag. Yeah. But we don't know how they got out. No. Uh, one of the other guys like, we should go give it back. Why the fuck? If you've escaped from the cage where he locked you up, why would you go back to him and give his bag back? Yeah, and also it wasn't too long ago that that same dude had a machete and was yeah. trying to kill him with it. Well, they take a box out of the bag and there's a snake in it that uh, kills this, both of them. Yeah, this is what uh, confuses me because this Bujo has been... It's Bujo, oh, fuck's sake. Has been collecting these snakes... So, why is the snake in a random box? Because uh, it was a box that was tied up as well. Mm. I thought he was having to collect the snakes so he can feed them to Alma to make her feel better. Yeah. Yeah. So, why is the one tied up in a box? It makes no sense. He, there's, there's snakes in the most convenient places in this film when they need to be. Yeah. No explanation as to why. Tiny snakes. Yeah. Conveniently. And then as the film goes on, these snakes get larger and larger and there's more and more of them. So I don't know if it's the same snakes growing at an incredible rate or there's just bigger snakes. Well, no, I don't suppose she's throwing up massive anacondas, is she? No. So I don't know if these snakes are just growing. Well, Bujo comes out of nowhere. Mm. He, he just uh, pops up out of nowhere, starts chanting stuff and... Pulls the uh, carpet cleaner guy's, uh, his friend, he pulls his heart out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he does, yeah. In the most over-the-top move ever. Yeah. Pulls his heart out and then um, tells uh, the carpet cleaner guy that she must have all of her snakes back. He's like, you can have the ones that belong to you. Okay, why does the carpet cleaner guy own snakes all of a sudden? Well, there's one of the snake in the box crawls up his arm yeah but um, not up his arm I mean like under the skin yeah into his veins arm, into his veins so is that so does he now have this curse and his own snakes apparently Seemingly. apparently um Crystal shows Summer the massive bag of cocaine she's got yeah and then reveals that uh she can't give all the money back to Mark now cause she's already spent three grand of it since she's been on the train what the fuck on how expensive is their calf on this fucking train? <laughs> like, how much is it for a cup of coffee? They didn't even have anything. They had no food, no drink. Yet, apparently she's already spent three grand or something. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the cowboy guy um, has been a little dodgy with them. We'll let them walk past him. He's like, he seems to know something about them. Uh, and then the carpet cleaner guy comes out uh, and mixes with everybody else now. Starts telling one of the snakes on the train. And um, and then the person who works uh, serving food on the train and uh, serving the drinks and stuff. We call them the waitress. The waitress. She's like, hold on. Hold on. And she repeats that twice. Yeah, I think it's the same uh, clip twice. Yeah. Um, the carpet cleaner guy throws up. And... Uh, <laughs> then she gets on the phone, the waitress, and she's like, he's coming your way. I'll keep my eyes open until the police arrive. 
the police aren't going to arrive because you're on a fucking moving train. Yeah, no one's called the police. <laughs> I just put her next to that because I have no idea. Um, I don't think we see the waitress again. But, uh, yeah, we do. Do we? Mm-hmm. What happens to her? When that random guy is at the bar. Oh, yeah. We hear her. Yeah. We hear her. we see her. Do we? She gets a fucking flashlight out, starts shining it underneath the bar for no reason because it's perfectly <laughs> lit. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. Um, so uh, the cowboy walks up to uh, Crystal and Summer and uh, Summer's like, ugh, leave us alone, perv. <laughs> Uh, so it's a bit of an awkward silence, and then he reveals that he's actually a cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, to which Summer tells him, "No, you're not a cop. You look like a dealer." Okay, maybe the perception of what a drug dealer looks like in America is a lot different to the UK. But this guy did not look like a fucking drug dealer. Not really, he just looked like a cowboy. So like he well, he was really offended. So he turns to Summer and he said, "Don't get smart with me, cunt." It's like the second use of cunt in this I fucking know. film. It was so out, It was just so out of nowhere. Um, Mr. Devil is still chatting up the woman from the start of the film. And, uh, is this when they... The brownie woman. Yeah. So, oh yeah, this is a bit sad, this conversation. Because they're talking about uh, how they're divorced. Yeah. Uh, they're both divorced. And... They're talking about how much happier they were when they were married and how wonderful being married is. <laughs> and he's still laughing. He's still laughing. He still thinks it's hilarious. But they're really bitter that they've divorced, but this is something that's bringing them together. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the carpet cleaner guy makes his way into that area and Frank, the conductor, um, gets hold of him. And he's like, my God, you're high as a kite. And uh, then the conductor starts speaking Spanish for some reason. He gets on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) He gets on the phone and then he stops speaking Spanish. And he's like, uh, I've got a guy here. He's high as a kite. Okay, we know. You just fucking told us. So um, Alma has now got bandages over her head for some reason. Um, Well, um, carpet cleaner guy's left to sit with the other passengers in the cabin. He is, yeah. And there's two people behind yeah. him that I don't... We didn't recognise. And it's not it's even the last time random. that this happens. Nah. There's random points in this film where there's characters in there that weren't introduced and we didn't even know we were on this train. No. Um, so the cowboy cop takes Crystal into an empty carriage and it honestly looks like the setup of a porno. A really bad porno. Uh, he sits her down, he starts questioning her. And uh, she can't stop looking at his dick. Her <laughs> eyes are constantly down. She can't look him in the eye. And uh, so he's like, uh, so uh, how am I going to help you out of this situation? And then he, he, he takes a bit of a curve and he's like, uh, I'll just take the money that you're going to make from this. And she's like, okay. Well, you know, I thought it was going to go somewhere different, but then it does go somewhere different. And uh, they start having a kiss and then he's like, take off your shirt. It's okay, I'm a cop. Mm. Yeah. And uh, she takes her top off and sadly, she gets her tits out for snakes on the train. Oh, I felt really... I, know, I think I've said this before, but I feel really sorry for people that do, like, nudity in these cheapo shit films. Yeah. And it's really grimy because the uh, the cop guy starts really grabbing her boobs and 
it's like, okay, that's not fake, is it? We could clearly see this happening. <laughs> but in, I suppose, in fairness, you know, it, it's only a pair of breasts. It's only the naked body. Everybody, you know, has the same bits as everybody else. So it's really not a big deal. But I do just feel a little like, oh, Halle Berry got paid millions to take her top off. <laughs> she probably got paid about a couple of hundred quid. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the Middle Eastern guy shows up and uh, he's not happy about what's going on, is he? No, he's fuming. Absolutely fuming. Absolutely no idea who this man is no. or why he put, he's getting involved. Yeah, he puts a gun to uh, the cowboy's head. Yeah. Um, and then he wants Maurice's cocaine all mm. of a sudden. Uh, it takes... we, we still don't know what uh, we never find out sort of what relation he is to no, all of this no we never do he takes the cop away uh, carpet cleaner guy he throws up but it's like he throws up on a random piece of glass yeah it's really strange it just stops mid air because it, it doesn't feel like it's at the camera no because it's at a weird angle it's too far away but it's almost it does hit a piece of glass for some reason yeah so he's in a really bad way. He's in a terrible way. Spitting the green stuff out and snakes. Yeah. Although nobody actually seems to notice the snakes. No, no one talks about the snakes no. until later on. Um, Frank the conductor tells uh, carpet cleaner guy that he needs his name, his address and his nationality. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck does he need his nationality for? This is so racist. Why does his nationality need to be brought into it? Why don't you get Crystal over? She seems to know everybody's nationality. It's true, yeah. Look. Um, then we get the train driver and he's smoking a fucking light bulb. I, yes. He's is... lighting a light bulb and smoking it. So he's called the engineer in the IMDb credits. But he's oh, the driver, okay. really, because no one else seems to be driving. No. He's at the front of the train. And uh, Alma's husband goes in. and well, he, he doesn't just go in, Chris. He drops from the ceiling. He do, yeah, drops <laughs> from the ceiling. And this engineer appears to be smoking crack through a light bulb. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, what I was getting. I, I thought he was just smoking a light bulb. I, I don't understand why this was in there. I don't think there was a hole in the light bulb. No, but he was lighting it. Yeah. And then... Uh, he turns to Bujo and he's like, you got on the wrong train, Tarzan. <laughs> and then, <laughs> who the fuck wrote the insults in this film? Yeah. And then Bujo's like, you're going to stop this train. And in another amazing line of dialogue, the light bulb smoking guy turns to him and says, wrong. <laughs> Garbage day. But there's some sort of fight where he just, Tarzan knocks him over. He so the engineer misses, and kind of knocks himself out. Yeah, I didn't really get what was happening, but also why would he say straight away you've got on the wrong train? I don't understand. He's like the train driver. Yeah, he don't know what's been going on. This guy could be really needing his help. <laughs> like why would it, you got on the wrong train? <laughs> So if it wasn't for the snakes, it would be a cracked out driver. Yeah. Would be the issue. 
Oh, this train was doomed from the get-go. That's well weird. Who says you're full of snakes to someone? Because I've got <laughs> it wrote down, but I don't know who said it to who. I didn't write that down. I, I assume it was to Alma, but someone's like, you're full of snakes. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, so moving on from that bit, um, the stoner thinks that the snake that he spotted is either a dog or a iguana. <laughs> and he wants to call it Job Job. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't get. <laughs> so... I don't get why he thought it was an iguana. But nobody sort of corrects him and says, no, that's quite clearly a large snake. Yeah. And they're all staring at it. And then Frank gets uh, gets on his radio to someone different this time. And he says, we have a runaway train. 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 That many times. It does, actually. The exact same... Again, it sounds like the same clip repeated again and again and again. Um, Yeah, so Frank then gets eaten by a massive rubber snake. Well, yeah, saying we have a uh, runaway train... Rubberway. (laughs) (laughs) We have a runaway train so many times exhausts him. So he needs to lie down. Yeah, he goes out to lie down. And then a massive snake comes and eats him. Yeah. And then another snake kills one of the stoners. Yes, yeah, yeah, off screen for some reason. Barrett, um, the Middle Eastern guy, randomly puts the cowboy cop in a cage. Yeah, this is confusing. Um, really he's confusing like, me. so you like taking advantage of little girls, do you? He's like, uh, take off your shirt. Uh, he's like, uh, I'm not taking off Take off your shirt. And then he calls him a homophobic slur because uh, he... Even though, you know, he's the one telling him to take off his shirt. Yeah. And uh, then he just shoots him before he can take his vest off. And uh, we get a random shootout. Well, the whole idea is, and it's a little homophobic, is that if he's found dead with his shirt off, for some reason that makes him a homosexual. Yeah, apparently. And he wants everybody to see how gay he is. Or how much of a F word he is um, when they discover his dead body, which makes no sense. God, the writer of this film is a piece of shit. He is. Um, so, yeah, there's a shootout. The most laziest shootout I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Middle Eastern guy dies. Somehow... Um, after being shot in the face, and shot numerous times after that, a cowboy's still alive. But he was shot, but it just sort of grazed his chin. Yeah, even though the shot was head on. And then the Middle Eastern guy walks off. Yeah. As if, oh, job done. Even though job wasn't done. Um, Alma starts screaming, no, my snakes, I need my snakes. Uh, the dad of the family's dead, the snake attacks the mum, and then the daughter just sits there watching. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. She doesn't really care. Um... And then, yeah, the, the bit where the waitress comes back, she says, so this is another random guy that we don't see anywhere else in this film. Yeah. He just randomly appears. We don't see him after this either. No. But he's sat at the bar and the waitress is there and uh, she's like, so what are you going to do when I tell her? And the question makes no sense because he answers, going to see my girlfriend, show her I care. What the fuck? No, she says, what are you going to do when you get to LA? 
Oh, I thought she said, what are you going to do when I tell her? No, what are you going to do when you get to LA? Oh, well, that makes a little more sense. But he's going to see his girlfriend, show her that he cares. Yeah. She's like, oh, that's so nice. That's lovely. Oh, that's so nice. That's it. And yeah. uh, Summer saves Crystal from some snakes. Yeah, so these snakes seemingly appear from nowhere because they're fucking massive snakes. Yeah. Huge. And, they, you know, snakes aren't fast. So I don't know how these snakes got there. And there were so many that this crystal's trapped. But, yeah, it's fucking stupid. Um, but, yeah, crystal's saved. The big rubber snake that ate Frank starts eating the daughter of the family. Um... In a really extended sequence of this do- of this child being eaten by a snake. Yeah. Um, it's a bit harsh. Mr. Devil somehow... Uh, oh, well, I suppose he is an electrical engineer. Mm. Uh, he has to stop the train by cutting some wires. Yeah. Um, well, he's he, trying to, isn't he? Yeah. And then Elmer now has fangs. Yeah. Yeah, really bad pound shop looking fangs. Um... Because that's what happens when snakes leave her body, apparently. She turns into one. So she starts eating some more snakes, but then it doesn't work because she turns into a giant CGI snake. And I mean a fucking huge CGI snake. Do you know who's a prick in this film? Alma's husband. Oh, he is, yeah. Because he's going around searching for these snakes and searching for Alma... And that's all he cares about. But they've brought this onto the train. People are yeah. dying. And he's going around seeing these people dying, being killed by snakes. And it's all his and her fault. Yeah. And he could not give two shits. No, he couldn't. And Mate, then... What happens to him? He'll, he'll get... He'll, he'll be swallowed by the train at the end. Spoiler alert. But... He's a major character. Yeah. I've only just realised, he just disappears. Yeah, so so Elma now has fangs. For well, some she's reason. now a CGI snake. Yeah, no, but she starts eating snakes. So her husband tells her it's too late to save her. So all those people on board have died for absolutely no reason. <laughs> she might as well have just stayed in the fucking desert. I could have told you it was too late because I knew that a 16-hour... Train ride <laughs> ain't gonna get you there in time, and she says, "What's dying gonna be like, or whatever the fuck she says?" And he say, "She'll be surrounded by the people she loves when she dies." <laughs> what fucking people? They put a curse on her. I know the guy that she went to high school with. You know that she hasn't seen in God knows how many years, and then her husband. And then she ain't going to fucking die anyway because she turns into a massive CGI snake. <laughs> she don't even fucking die. Yeah, she escapes from the train, goes in front of the train, and then we get the famous scene that is added in to please the Japanese audience. Uh, the snake legit starts eating the train. So one absolutely fucking massive shit-looking CGI snake starts devouring this train. Yeah. And literally, so everybody on board of this train now dies, apart from a select few who <laughs> manage to make their way to the front. Yeah, there's... And jump out the train. There's Mr. Devil, his fancy lady, uh, Crystal and Summer, uh, school friend. Yeah. 
and whoever the fuck that other person was. Some absolutely random dude. <laughs> like Again, just randomly nev- turned up. We've never seen him before in the film. Uh, survives. He's at the front. Yeah. They jump off the train. But every other character, even the ones where we haven't seen their on-screen deaths. Yeah. So there's like two surfer dudes... There's the waitress and the guy who's going to surprise his <laughs> girlfriend. There's Alma's husband. Yeah? Yeah. They all die and they get swallowed by this snake. Mm-hmm. And it's just these randoms that survive. Yeah. So then Miguel does some sort of spell or a chant, <laughs> even though he's the one that didn't believe in any of it. Yeah. And there's, there's a massive tornado. And there's a massive tornado, and this giant snake gets sucked up into this massive tornado, into the sky, and the day saved. Yeah. And then, uh, I think it was either Crystal or someone says to a uh, school friend, like, where are you going? And he just tells someone, he's like, Los Angeles. Do you know what I think happened? So... Did they had to reshoot the ending yeah. to please the Japanese mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, backers? Yeah. I reckon that these people were the only people available <laughs> to do a reshoot. Yeah. And they're the reason that they... That's the reason that they survived. Because I cannot, for the life of me, think that we've gone through the whole film with this... Uh, Elmer's husband... Keep forgetting his name, Alma's husband being pretty much our main character, you know, and a bit of an action hero, mm-hmm. so loosely, and then him just randomly die like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, we find out final plot twist: Crystal has a snake bite. Ooh, on her leg. On her leg, leaving it open for a sequel that has never happened, sadly. No. And then during the credits, we get a really out-of-tune song about snakes in the wild. Mm. And that's it. That's uh, Snakes on the Train. That is Snakes on the Train. Oh, wow. Fucking bag of shit. (laughs) I honestly... It's an obvious half-star film, but I had to give it an extra half just for uh, the your mother's cunt smells like carpet cleaner insult. I mean... It's not every day you get into like that in a film. Oh, the film gave me a headache. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah, so uh, when we uh, when are we going to cover some more asylum films? We're not going to cover. <laughs> I didn't. I never want to see another asylum film in my life. <laughs> if that's what it's like, I don't think I could cope. Well, this director also made a Da Vinci Treasure and When a Killer Calls. Oh. So. Yeah, if you're ever in CX and you spot snakes on a train for 50p, get it, witness it, and tell your friends about it. <laughs> I wouldn't give you five pence for this shit. We'll, um, this Friday is a Friday the 13th, and we don't break promises, so we will be back on Friday. Uh, Friday the 13th, yes. part two. Two. Yes, the next part in the franchise. Uh, but yes, until then, thank you for listening. Uh, if you're on social media and if you've seen this film, then please, please tell us what you thought of it. Oof. We'd love to hear it. Uh, we're Horror Court Trash over on Instagram and Facebook, Horror Court Trash on Twitter. 
talk to us about zombie curses and snakes on trains. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, rate, review and subscribe. It's a massive help. Uh, like and follow on everything else. I'm on Instagram, Gasmo 205 gascruz 92 on Twitter, deadlikegaz92 on Letterboxd. I am on Letterboxd, Instagram and Twitter as chrisbarker823. And that is all for this week. We will see you on Friday. Bye.